If you would open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. The book of Proverbs centers around a singular theme. And if you've read the book of Proverbs, then, then you're probably familiar with what that theme is. Solomon is writing in this book about the topic of wisdom. Biblical wisdom is a fascinating subject. Its, its application literally knows no bounds. There is not a scenario in the world where biblical wisdom does not play some role. Well, Solomon is writing on wisdom in this book. There is a theme, a trend throughout this book that he comes to repeatedly. And that is the theme of diligence. Solomon regularly gives the reader, or specifically his son, Rehoboam, instruction on the topic of diligence. And he does so by exposing a sin that is in the nature and heart of every man. That is the sin of laziness. Solomon hits it repeatedly throughout the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, Solomon writes, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, he says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. There's many other passages about diligence versus laziness. But perhaps the most famous passage on this topic is the passage that we're going to be in tonight. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, all right, is, a, is a scene in which Solomon looks to his son and exposes the laziness that is in his heart. He calls his son to diligence. But he calls him to diligence by looking at an unlikely source. Let's read this passage together. Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. Which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Solomon is speaking these words to his son. Presumably, by what we're told elsewhere in Scripture, specifically Rehoboam is the recipient of these words that Solomon is giving. And we have the privilege of listening in to Solomon's instruction in Proverbs chapter 6 as he looks to his son and tells him to go to the ant, to consider her ways, and to be wise. And Solomon telling his son to do that, he is combating the laziness that he knows is present in his son's heart. Solomon knows that laziness is in the heart of every man, and he knows how dangerous it is. And so tonight, if you're taking notes, we're going to have two instructions for fighting laziness. Solomon offers two instructions for fighting laziness. The first one that Solomon gives in this text 
is examine the diligent. Examine the diligent. In verse 6, Solomon looks to his son and he says, go to the ant. It's interesting that Solomon sends his son to an insect. When Solomon thinks diligence, you know where his mind goes? It goes to the animal kingdom. Ants are a unique creature. They work incredibly, incredibly hard. They sleep only enough to get the energy that they need to perform the tasks that God has designed them to perform. And they go about their day working towards the purpose that they were created for. Eating, building, defending, feeding, restoring, serving. The ant is a diligent creature. Solomon points his son to the ant because Solomon knows something about laziness. Laziness is ultimately a fruit of our depravity. Every one of us on some level struggles with laziness because every one of us is a sinner. Laziness specifically is the idolatry of rest. Just like we could look at, at, at a sin like gluttony is the idolatry of food. Laziness is the idolatry of rest. Now, rest is a good thing. God rested. Rest is given to us as a gift from God, but just like any other good thing, it can be idolized. And laziness is fundamentally that. The idolatry of something good that God has given us. The idolatry of rest. Solomon points his son to an ant. Because unlike us, an ant does not have a depraved soul. An ant has no soul at all. And so it is the perfect picture of what diligence actually is. Because the fall of mankind has impacted us in a way that it has not impacted the animal kingdom. Laziness is fundamentally a fruit of our depravity. And so Solomon tells his son to go and watch someone that is in no way human. Go and watch someone that has not been tainted the way you have by sin. Go and watch an ant. Watch how he works. Watch how he prepares. Go to the ant. Solomon uses sharp words in this passage. Verse 6, he says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. It's easy to forget who Solomon's talking to. This is not a scene in which Solomon has been dispensing wisdom and all of a sudden this, this lazy homeless man walks in and, and Solomon looks to him and, oh, there is a sluggard in my presence, so I must speak to him. So Solomon is looking at his son. And he says, go to the ant, oh, sluggard. Time and time again throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon has said, do this, my son. Follow this command, my son. Obey this, my son. But when he reaches the topic of laziness, he no longer refers to him affectionately as his son. <laughs> he refers to him as a sluggard, a lazy man. 
Someone desperately in need of motivation. Someone desperately in need of being corrected. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Laziness is a fruit of depravity. We could all be referred to with this same title. And knowing that every one of us must grow in wisdom, it's necessary for us to adopt the awareness that what Solomon is speaking to his son in Proverbs chapter 6 applies to us. So as you read that and as you hear that, think, go to the ant, O sluggard. Examine the diligent. Laziness is the fruit of depravity. Now you may object to that statement with the observation that there are unbelievers who are not lazy. There are unbelievers who work hard. There are those who have not placed their faith in Christ that this doesn't describe. But I want to stand by that statement that laziness is a fruit of depravity because just like in any other area of sin, it's possible for an idolatry of one thing to mask an idolatry of another thing. It is possible if I idolize money so much that, that I set aside that, that, that depraved fruit of laziness and work hard in pursuit of another idolatry. My, my idolatry for money has become so great that it masks idolatries in other areas. And so yes, there certainly are unbelievers who work hard. But it doesn't change the fact that laziness is a sin. In fact, Solomon is going to make the connection that laziness most pointedly is foolishness. Laziness is the act of a fool. And foolishness fundamentally is a lack of trust in God. A lack of belief in God. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Laziness is foolishness. Our goal then tonight is not just to abandon laziness. You could do that by finding another idol. The goal in this passage is to expose the laziness that is in our hearts and to view rest the way that God would have us to view rest. The goal is that we would be glorifying God in our work, that we would view rest as God views it and apply it to our lives. Just like so many other sins, laziness will have an impact in just about every area of your life. When we bring up this topic of laziness and and diligence, typically our mind would go to something like our job or if you're younger, maybe chores around the house that you're assigned to do. But but what I want us to understand is the way Solomon understands laziness and diligence is that it, it applies to every area of one's life. The work that he is calling his son to do is not just a, a, a nine to five job. Work is your life. Work is what we were designed for. Genesis explains that to us, that we were designed to work. So we are called to work hard, yes, in our job, but but students, you're called to work hard in school. 
We, we are all called to work hard in the church. We're called to work hard in our relationships. You're called to work hard in obedience to parents. You're called to work hard in your relationship with your spouse. You are called to work hard in pursuing Christ. We're called to work hard in all of our lives. Working with students, I'm just so keenly aware of the necessity of developing the habits of working hard in every area of your life. There are absolutely areas for all of us where this comes easy. It, it may be misery for, for some of you to wake up on a Saturday morning and go outside and mow the lawn. For others of you, it's bliss. And, and so laziness and diligence in that category is going to look different for, for every person. But knowing that we're called to work hard in every category of life means that there is relevance for all of us as we look to applying, applying, applying diligence to our lives. The, uh, the unemployment rate among, among students out of high school, 18 to kind of like 24-year-olds, is, is lower than it's ever been in modern history. The reason for that is because it takes hard work, hard work to keep a job. Some uh, 86% of college students admitted to cheating regularly in, in high school on tests and quizzes because it takes hard work to do the job right. The overwhelming majority of, of churchgoers are attending church but not serving in the church. That's because it takes hard work and time and effort Friendships fall apart and angerness and bitter and jealousy set in. Because people don't want to forgive. It takes hard work to pour into relationships. Children are rebelling and lying and disobeying their parents because obedience is hard work. Marriages crumble because husbands and wives don't want to put in the hard work that is necessary in that relationship. Students are going to college and abandoning their faith leaving the church because pursuing Christ is hard work. All of our life is hard work. And so we need in every category of our life, desperately, the wisdom of Solomon in this passage. Go to the ant. Examine the diligent. Laziness is not isolated to our job. You, you show me someone who is lazy in their job, and I'll show you someone who is lazy in their pursuit of Christ. You show me someone who is lazy in school, and I will show you someone who is lazy in their righteousness. Show me someone who is lazy in their obedience to their parents, and I'll show you someone who is lazy in their obedience to God. This impacts every category of our life. Solomon knows that this is in the heart of every man. And so he directs us to consider the ant. 
Solomon had a, a unique knowledge of the animal kingdom. In fact, we're told that as a, as a subset of his wisdom, that he had a vast knowledge in, in all areas of nature. In 2 Kings, we're, we're given kind of the, the nature of, of, of what Solomon's wisdom was. In one of the areas of that, 1 Kings, excuse me, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 33, we're told he, Solomon, spoke of trees, from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He also spoke of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. So, so Solomon, in all of his wisdom, literally has people coming and sitting at his feet to hear his wisdom, not just on, on moral issues, but on nature, on creation, on animals. So he knows he knows to point his son to the ant. As he does so, he gives his son two instructions. The first instruction is observe her ways. See that in verse 6? Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways. Literally, it's, it's look at her. Look at the ant. The command here is, is, son, go find an ant, sit down, and watch it. Observe her ways. When, when we walked through the book of Proverbs in our student ministry, we, we titled this sermon, uh, Why You Should Invest in an Ant Farm. Because literally, that's the command. Watch ants. That's how his son would have understood this. Go to the ant and look at it for a long time. Observe her ways. But that's not the end of the command. It would be nice if it was. Observe her ways, Solomon says, and be wise. The word he uses there for wisdom is, is the central verbal command in the entire book of Proverbs. Be wise. What is lacking in a man or woman who needs to grow in regards to their laziness is that they are not wise enough. Wisdom is what is lacking here. The man who is lazy is a fool. And according to Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, that means the man who is lazy doesn't fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And as wisdom is applied, laziness disintegrates. And so to the one whose life is overtaken by laziness, the direct connection can be drawn based on Proverbs 1 verse 7 that that person does not fear God enough. Laziness is the work of a fool, so Solomon commands his son, be wise. The implication then is he's looking to his son and saying, do what the ant does. Be like the ant. Mimic the pattern of the ant. So what specifically is Solomon calling his son to do then? What specifically would be the fulfillment of look at an ant and be wise? Look at the ant and mimic it. Well, Solomon actually explains that in the next few verses. In verse 7, he starts to put some feet on what he's telling his sons to do in regards to the observation of the ant. What does the ant do? Well, look at verse 7. Which having no chief, officer, or ruler, and stop there. We're going to stop in just the middle of the sentence because Solomon's making a point with those few words. The first point that he makes in regards to laziness is that the diligent don't need instruction. 
The diligent don't need instruction. The ant doesn't require instruction. The lazy need instruction, but the diligent do not. The ant has no chief, no officer, no ruler. In other words, no one is telling the ant what to do. She just does it. You don't see one ant pointing and another ant doing. They all instinctively accomplish what they were created for. Why does Solomon point this out? Why does he believe it necessary to point out that the ant doesn't have someone pointing and telling it what to do, but that the ant instinctively does what it's created to do? I think Solomon's implication here is that anyone, anyone can follow orders. Your ability to follow someone's orders doesn't make you diligent. Diligence is measured by your ability to work hard whether or not someone tells you to. So then, we we cannot say, I work hard at my job, therefore I am not lazy. Solomon would not have bought that. Because he he tells his son to go and consider the ant who has no ruler, who has no chief, who has no officer. Solomon assumes that anyone can follow orders. But your diligence on your own time, your diligence on your own motivation reveals your heart. He knows, Solomon knows, that the ant is diligent because no one is telling the ant what to do. And yet she does it. This is the first thing that Solomon says should be observed and applied for wisdom. But the second thing, and the thing that he's calling his son to observe and to apply, is not just that the ant does not require instruction, but that the ant is responsible. The ant is responsible. And by implication, he's calling his son, observe the ant who is responsible without needing instruction. Observe her ways and be wise. Look at verse 8. Solomon says, she prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. What Solomon is saying is that the ant is a planner. She plans. The terminology that he uses here is terminology of of summer and harvest, the time to plant and the time to reap, that the ant looks to the future and anticipates time of difficulty and time of trial and works in preparation for that trial. That the ant knows that that she is going to need to have food stored up to survive the winter. And so in the summer she plants and in the harvest she reaps so that she will be prepared. The lesson then is that the diligent plan for the future. The diligent are responsible. Laziness is a decision that has only immediate benefit. Diligence is a long-term investment. And what Solomon is describing in this scene is that his son must be responsible like the ant. His son must look to the future and evaluate. He must look and perceive where there are threats and where there are problems. And again, don't just hear this as financial terminology because I think we're wired in such a way to perceive this text that way. 
to look to the future and to say, where do I need to prepare right now so that I can weather the storm that is coming? The ant does that. Sluggard, son, you must do the same, Solomon says. You must prepare for the future and we would be wise to do the same. In every category of life, especially in our pursuit of Christ and in our seeking to glorify God. All of this is learned from examining the diligent. And that's what Solomon calls his son to do. Go to the end. Consider her ways and be wise. She has no chief, no officer, no ruler, but she plans for the future. She plants in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. Solomon at that point turns to a second instruction. And this is our second instruction tonight that Solomon gives for fighting laziness. The first is examining the diligent. The second is escape from your sloth. Escape from your sloth. Now this instruction that Solomon is giving to his son is is given in the form of two questions. He's going to ask his son a few questions here, but I want us to be fully aware going into this that when he's asking questions, he's making statements. And we're all familiar with this this kind of terminology. I think the the illustration that Pastor Rick often uses is the same terminology that my wife uses with me. Are you you really going to wear that? Right? And that's, that's a question. But it's a statement. Don't wear that. And that's what Solomon's doing here. He's going to look to his son. He's going to ask him a couple of questions that are statements about how he is to fight laziness in every category of his life. You'll see it as we read it. Verse 9. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Now, for any student that has been caught sleeping in later than they were supposed to on a, on a school morning or maybe even on a Saturday morning and mom or dad walks in, if these words left their mouth, they would not have been discerned as a question. Now, if my mom had, had come in to wake up me and said, how long will you lie down, oh sluggard? It would have been bolting out of the bed, right? Like you guys are tracking with what Solomon's doing here. He's asking questions, but he's making a statement. How long are you going to lay in bed? How long will you sleep? When will you get up? Here we realize the crux of the issue for Solomon's son. And it's generally true of the sluggard. He sleeps too much. The sluggard, Solomon's son, sleeps too much. He doesn't want to get out of bed. He chooses to lie there rather than to be diligent. Solomon says, how long? How long will you lie there? You're being a sluggard. You're being a fool. You need diligence. When will you arise from your sleep? Verse 10 gets, gets just a little bit difficult in, in, in understanding exactly what's being communicated. There's a couple ways to understand the, the statements in verse 10. It, it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. 
three succinct statements that are all synonymous for, for rest or, or sleep. Sleep, slumber, folding of the hands. Sleep, obviously, we're familiar with. Slumber is just a synonym for sleep. And then the folding of the hands. Is kind of, the picture you can get is someone just kind of leaning back, folding their hands, resting them on their stomach, and just resting, relaxing. There's a few ways to understand verse 10. The first would be that this is the, the statement of the sluggard. That the sluggard is responding to someone calling them to get up by saying, just a little more sleep, just a little more slumber, just a little more the folding of the hands to rest. Second way to understand it is that it, that it ties to verse 11 as, as a proverb. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. And I think probably the best way to understand this is that it's a, it's a combination of both. That, that for the man who communicates the things that are communicated in verse 10, that there are repercussions of that in verse 11. That poverty will come upon you and, and it's, that you will, uh, you will take on need like an armed man. So the statement of the sluggard is a little more sleep. Just a little more slumber. A little more of the folding of the hands to rest. He's referring to a man who's lying down on his bed. And he's saying, if you want just a little more sleep, you will pay dearly. It seems minimal. It seems like not a big request, just a little more sleep. But Solomon says, you will pay dearly. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. So many things that are revealed here about the sluggard. I want to first observe the the attitude of the sluggard that's reflected, especially in verse 10. The sluggard always desires more rest. The sluggard always desires more sleep, more folding of the hands. By contrast, the diligent say, enough. I I will only take what I need, and if necessary, I won't even take that. But the sluggard says, I need just a little more. Okay, this is about to get convicting, because this is the Old Testament equivalent of our snooze button. (laughs) This is the Old Testament equivalent of just five more minutes. Do you hear that being communicated in what Solomon says? A little more sleep, a little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands to rest. I just need a little more. Just give me five more minutes. Just let me hit snooze one more time. It's that kind of terminology that is being represented by Solomon here. It's the attitude of a sluggard. The sluggard understates his problem. Do, do you note that, that in what he's communicating here, he refers to everything as just a little. I just need a little sleep. I'm not asking for much. This isn't a massive issue of laziness. I'm not asking to sleep all day, just a little. But Solomon hears that terminology, just a little, and he's saying, no, you're, you're overstating, you're understating your problem. That mentality of requiring just a little more and, and feeding that idolatry of rest will lead to massive repercussions later in your life. 
A little more is a big problem. The sluggard underestimates his own laziness and it leads to a dreadful end. That attitude, the attitude of the sluggard leads to the end of the sluggard and the end is revealed in verse 11. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Laziness leads to poverty is the connection that Solomon makes in this text. Now, what Solomon is not saying, and be careful here, what Solomon is not saying is that righteous people are rich people and foolish people are poor people. That's not what Solomon is saying. What he is saying is that you cannot expect to maintain what God has given you if you don't exercise diligent stewardship over his gifts. You cannot expect to maintain what God has given you if you do not exercise diligent stewardship over his gifts. So God has blessed us in different ways and he has called us to be good stewards. To the one who says, I just need a little more rest, a little more sleep, a little more slumber, underestimating their problem. Solomon saying, this is gonna lead to problems for you. This is going to lead to what God has blessed you with being taken away from you. And it's not going to happen in a way that you, you just kind of slowly see it happening. From the perception of the sluggard, it's going to happen quickly. Poverty for the sluggard comes unsuspectingly. It comes like a vagabond. It's literally one who, who walks around. Probably one who, who just wanders around is what Solomon is thinking about here. A vagabond is, is a good translation of this. It's a man in need looking to steal to hurt, to take what is yours. He uses a similar phrase in the next line. Your, your need will come like an armed man. There's a couple different ways to understand this, but, but what's, it doesn't really matter. What's ultimately being communicated is that it's going to come quickly and you're not going to see it coming. The sluggard does not see the end that's described in verse 11. The sluggard just sees just a little more rest. A little more rest. The sluggard is defenseless against this end. The end of, of poverty, the end of want, the end of what God has blessed him with being taken away from him. Why is he defenseless? <laughs> because he's sleeping. He, he's asleep. It happens unsuspectingly. No, no one's going to sleep saying, I want to wake up with poverty. But what you don't know is that your poverty will seemingly come quickly. You won't see it coming. This is described really well in Proverbs chapter 24. If, if you turn over to Proverbs chapter 24, we see the exact same proverb stated with a little additional explanation. Proverbs chapter 24, starting in verse 30. Solomon writes this. Proverbs 24, 30. I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, 
I reflected upon it. I looked and I received instruction. Here's the proverb. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. Solomon uses the exact same terminology in that proverb, that for the sluggard, poverty comes quickly and it comes unsuspectingly, just like someone who is being robbed, just like someone who is being attacked and what they own is being taken from them. You don't see it coming. But what happened in the vineyard of the sluggard? Was he robbed? No. No, his plants had overgrown. His stone wall had broken down. Do you know how long it takes for that process to happen? But for the sluggard, it happened like that. He woke up, and all of a sudden, his vineyard was overrun. And the sluggard saying, what happened? I just wanted a little more sleep. I just wanted a little more slumber. And Solomon looks at it and he says, this has been written on the wall from the beginning. The rest of us could see this coming from far off because of your attitude, because of the depravity that is in your heart, because of your idolatry of rest. From the perspective of the sluggard, it happens quickly. But it doesn't actually happen quickly. It's just that the sluggard is not aware. The sluggard is not perceiving reality correctly. There is so much for us to learn in this passage. Laziness is is natural to every man. It's not just your job. It's, It's work, it's school, it's church, it's friendships, it's your spouse, it's your children. Christ. It's all of life. I want us to know and to be aware that we are called to work. That's what the, the book of Genesis is. It describes what man was made for. We, we are made to work and we're made to work hard in every category of life and it's not supposed to be easy. As a result of the fall, work is painful, it's difficult, yet all of our lives are that. And so there's no expectation in Scripture that we're called to something that's just a walk in the park. We're called to something difficult, but we're called to it nonetheless. We're called to abandon the fruit of of depravity in our heart that is laziness. We're called to abandon the idolatry of rest and to pursue what we have been given with all aggression. Husbands, to love our wives with aggression. Wives to, to love our, their, their husbands and, and to serve their husbands with, with everything that they have. Children to submit to their parents and to obey their parents with everything that they have. Because to not do so is to be lazy. To be in the word and studying the word and, and growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ with aggression. Because to not do so is lazy. 
in our jobs and in our chores and in the tasks that we've been given to do so as if we're serving God and not just man because to not do so is lazy. There's so many areas where we can abandon this idolatry of rest. As I'm thinking through and walking through this passage this afternoon, it's just illustration after illustration in my life where I can, I can abandon this idolatry. And I hope, I hope that you're finding those in your own life as well. 